Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Today I think that I want to start reading a little passage of scripture that I think will will flow good into what this message is going to be about. And it's Ephesians 4, verse 4 through 8, if you want to follow along or if you just want to listen to me, it's fine. But it is the Apostle Paul's writing this. It's really the Holy Spirit's writing this, right? Because the Scripture is God-breathed. And he's writing it, and it is basically, it is the Shema. It is, it is the, it is, hear, O Israel, the Lord, thy God, the Lord is one. And it is a higher revelation of that reality in the New Testament through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in hope of, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, in y'all, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. He ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Beautiful. I think this is a very important follow-up to last week we were celebrating historically speaking, the day of Pentecost, the 50th day after the resurrection. and This beautiful reality that was prophesied through the whole Old Testament in all these strange and obscure writings from these prophets, they said all these things about this new covenant reality and nobody fully understood or grasped what they meant until after the fact. Many of the ones we talked about and continually talk about, you know, the Jeremiah 31, 33. You know, you're not going to have to tell somebody to know me. Everybody will have the ability to know the Lord in a personal way. Not just these mystics or these prophets in the Old Testament who the Spirit of God would come upon them and then they would prophesy. Then they would have this relationship that no one else really had. Something that had been lost since the days of Eden. But now the Joel 2, that, that, that it'll come to pass afterwards that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh, upon all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. What do you mean, the girls too? Yes. In other words, all the distinctions that you've created, that human, humanity's created, even their religious rules and regulations that are birthed out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was poisonous and limited mankind, Those weren't God's rules. Yeah. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Like the reality of that was only reserved for the prophets of old. This relational connection to God. Experiential connection to God will be for everyone in this new thing that I'm going to do. Really cool. The Isaiah 59, 14. Like. This is the new covenant, the covenant that I will make with him. You know, my spirit, which is upon you, he's talking to Isaiah, will be upon your descendants from this time and forevermore. My words will always be in their mouth forever. 
for all time. This special thing that you've entered into, Isaiah. You know, he got caught, you know, he's up in the heavenly realms, you know, I don't, I'm new, man, I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, tells the angel to touch his mouth with a coal. You know, it's like, this, this thing that you've been so privileged into, like, this reality is going to be upon and in your descendants for all time, and it won't come and go. This is going to be what Christianity is. This, this thing, this dreadlocks baptizing people in the Jordan River, this strange man wearing a hairy, hairy vest, you know what I mean, a hairy robe, uh, leather belt, and hey, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you a prophet? Are you the Messiah? And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, there's somebody coming after me whose shoes, I'm, whose sandals I'm not worthy to tie, but he's going to baptize you, not only water, but in the Holy Spirit, and even with fire. Fire to the religious system, the machine. Yes, uh, yeah, oh yeah. He saw this thing. There's, there's coming this new thing, this new baptism, this new reality that is going to be this immersion of your life into his and his into yours. It's the most beautiful and wonderful thing. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. All these scriptures of the Old Testament are all talking about this reality, which we now have the freedom to enter into, Amen. to walk in in the world. Amen. You know, Paul writes a little Timothy, you know, it's like, hey, like, he tells him, stay away from those who hold to a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Yeah. In other words, there will be a religious machine that actually cuts the spirit out of life and just creates a factory of religious observances and, and a, a giant club that is powerless. But that's not the real deal. Did you know that there is no such thing as Christianity that is not spirit-filled Christianity? There literally is no such thing. It is a version of something. And I, I understand sometimes the pull back from that kind of stuff. Because a lot of times when you go in the spirit-filled side of the tracks, things get a little, that water gets a little murky. It gets a little strange. And not, a, not everything that's in that pool seems like God. Feels a little unsafe even. Right? But it doesn't mean we throw the baby out with the bathwater. It means we sink our roots deep into the scriptures and in our relational connection to God. And we choose to see that everything that he says we could have, we can have. Amen. And we're called to walk in Amen. and accept nothing less. You know. There is one body. There is one spirit. There is one Lord. There is one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all. And guess what? He's inside of you all. That's our Bible, man. That's it. There's no getting around it. The poisonous tree of the knowledge of good and evil had caused mankind to see God as both good and evil. He's bipolar, right? He's like, the good cop and the bad cop. One of them shielding me from the other one's wrath. You know, a, really a doctrine of demons, a doctrine of the poisonous fruit of the snake's tree. But in reality, like James says, in him there is no variance or shadow or turning. In other words, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. John says these things. Like the whole thing is written about this, this, this distinction of who God is. Where man had been poisoned to see him in one way, he's saying, no, 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 he's good. And the inheritance of the kingdom is yours. And not only is it for you, it's for you to live in the world in such a way that you unlock everybody that's in your sphere. Yeah, that's one of the words that I have for today is that 
You are here to demonstrate the abundant life of the kingdom. You exist. Your life is meant to demonstrate the abundance, the abundant, the abundant life of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is not just, just in words, but it is in power. It is in righteousness. It is peace. It is joy, peace and joy, the thing that all the world is looking after as hard and fast as they can possibly try to fill themselves with it. But the, the essence of true hev the heavenly kingdom is peace and it is joy. Come on. You know what I mean? It's this beautiful confidence that we're called to walk around in that doesn't set us apart in a negative way. Like, well, I'm, I'm in a higher class system than you. This is my inheritance and yours is as the, your peasant Gentile inheritance is, is down there. <laughs> you know what I mean? That yucky type of thing. It's more to demonstrate something to our family who is mankind. This is what Abba, this is what our dad has made available for all of us. And it's not me. It's him. But it's for you. It's a different walk, man. It's not join my club or you're going to go to hell when you die. You know. Well, do you like me? Yes or no? Those little, will you go out with me back in the day? You know, like, join, you know, go to hell, say, say yes, I'm, admit, admit you're a sinner, and then say you're a sinner, and, and you join my club, and, and, and you, can, you can get to heaven, and we'll tax you 10%, keep the thing running. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, that's not it. Mm -mm. It is, your life is here to demonstrate the abundance of the kingdom of heaven. That people actually want what you have. Jesus says, go make disciples. Go tell everybody they're going to burn in hell. Like, what? I don't remember him saying that, you know? It's like, go make disciples, uh, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, you're kind of putting all these, these other ones on the level of the spot. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, there is one God. There is one Spirit. There is one baptism. There is one calling in you all. And this is the family business. This is what you're sent to go do. And not going and trying to convince, to scare people to joining your club. It's more the abundant life in you should cause people to want what you have. They should want what we have without us having to sell it to them or scare them into it. That's a novel thought, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I think this goes well with the understanding of Jesus. You know, he ascended on high. This, this kind of the, the scripture we, we, we started off with in Ephesians uh, 4. He ascended and led captivity captive and gave gifts, gifts to men. It's the apostle kind of repurposing an Old Testament scripture. The apostle Paul, when he's writing that. But he led captivity captive. It's, that's like when, um, when a king would go to war against another country that had taken a lot of his people captive. And he would set his captives free and the victory parade coming back home, he's bringing, the, he's bringing all those POWs back home with him. He, cap, he, he, he captivated those who were captive and was bringing them back. It was, a, it was a reconnaissance, it was a recovery. That's what that's saying. He led captivity captive. He made this parade of like, yeah, I got them all. I rescued them all. Isn't this fun? You know, that's, that's, uh, that's what that means. And, and not only that, and he gave these gifts to men. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of Pentecost and what we even talked about last week, this, this Acts 1-8, when he's telling the disciples, you know, they're having flashbacks of like John 16's script, John 16, 7, where he's like, hey, it's better for you that I go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. Which in their minds, like, how can it be to your advantage that I go away, man? 
Like we get to hang out, with, we're with you all the time. But he knew there was something was coming. He is the word of God, he is God, and he understood all the prophecies about the spirit coming. He's like, you have no clue what is gonna be endowed upon you. It's gonna be better that I go away singularly because when I am multiplied, I will be inside of all of you and you will all know me and you will all be walking with me. This will be your reality. Yeah. And so he's saying those things and you know, Acts 1.8, he, he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and to the ends of the world. This new covenant reality of the Spirit of God, it is not just so that you can be weird and run around and shundai hundai and creep people out. It is because you're going to be empowered with the authority of heaven to demonstrate and release heaven. And that which you bind in heaven will be bound on the earth. That which you loose in heaven will be loose on the earth. This authority of this relational connection that you'll have in me as my ambassadors, I will be with you everywhere you go. This is what's going to happen. And then what did he do? He floated on up. He, he let it, you know what I'm saying, like we talked about. And then they got down to that upper room and to the temple and all these things happened and the roar and all, these, all this stuff. And the Tower of Babel was completely reversed. Yeah, I would, yeah, if you haven't, list, it's important to understand the historical implications of that day. It's last week's message on the podcast if you haven't heard it, but um, there's, it's, there's such depth to it that this reality that not only did he ascend and, and he led captivity captive, there's this great freedom, but he also gave the gifts of his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit and the gifts that come with his Holy Spirit, yeah. which are also can be very taboo these days because there's a lot of funkiness that can be attached to that kind of stuff. In the book, you know, concerning the book of 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, 14, just the way we're taught about those giftings. But it's like these giftings, these endowments, these power, these powers, this, this, like you're not merely who you once were. You're empowered to bring in this harvest to actually impact the world. And that's what it was about this whole time. And uh, it was, it was really tremendous. And, you know, one of the things that I read this week uh, concerning these Old Testament passages about the Spirit of God being within you. And, you know, we, we, we cycle through a lot of these stuff. But one of the books is Zechariah, and it's like the second to the last book of the Old Testament. And I might cliff notes it just a little bit. But Zechariah is this prophetic man under that old covenant that was getting caught up into the heavens and the Spirit and being shown so many different things that were concerning what they considered to be the rebuilding of the temple. And so now we know, kind of like with hindsight, that all these obscure and strange prophecies, as random as they were, and sometimes as literal as they were, they really and truly were concerning this new covenant reality which God was causing to be manifested in the cross. And it's no different in this. And I love this one passage in... in um, Zechariah uh, 2, maybe verse, I'll start in verse 4, where this, it's actually a couple of angels that are literally, it looks like they're rushing around to show him things. And they have a, a plumb line and a measuring line. And they're trying to take dimensions and structures and they're trying to, they're trying to put a grid to Zechariah to understand this, this heavenly temple and all these things. But what I truly believe that it is, because we understand the way the temple it ended up getting finished and it was built really, really nice in Jesus' day. But Jesus come talking about a temple that was different. 
tear this thing down and I'll raise it down. I'll raise it back in three days, three days flat. You know, he, he was saying things concerning the temple that obviously God's picture and his understanding of what this stuff meant was these were, these were an analogy and his was the real thing. And he says this beautiful scripture, and I think it really goes with even some of the things we talked about Pentecost last week, that the pillar of fire, the very thing that, that covered Israel as a cloud by the day and as a fire in the night as they left Egypt and they were in the wilderness, literally showed up at Pentecost and divided itself individually. And it was this symbolic reality, like this pillar that the people of God followed that covered them that shielded them from Pharaoh when he tried to pursue them once, um, that shielded them from the elements that caused their climate in the desert to be different than everyone else, all the other desert people, was now going to be divided towards individually over each and every single one of you. You're going to have this relational connection. That's what it was always about. But speaking of that pillar, these angels are, are speaking to Zechariah, if you can kind of see it or if I can do it well. And, 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 there was one angel who was talking to me that was kind of going out while another angel was running in to meet him. And he said, hey, run to speak to this young man and tell him that Jerusalem will be inhabited, inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her and I will be the glory that is in her midst. So rise up and flee from the land of the north. For I have spread you abroad like the winds of heaven. But come on up, Zion. Escape you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. And see, I think, I believe this truly is a, a picture. All of this is, and we can kind of keep going, but is a picture of what it looks like to learn to walk in this life, this spirit-filled life, or to walk by the Spirit. All these terms that we see in the New Testament about living in the presence of God and that being our absolute most precious commodity of all time. And it's like when I'm, when I'm seeing this picture, Babylon, just like last week, this really kind of goes with that really well. It is Babylon has become, you know, it's funny. I ran this morning. I always run on Sunday mornings. I run most days. But it's like all my, all my I listen to reggae music, so now you know. But anyways, I was listening to that whole time. And there was a bunch of these like 70s and 80s songs that kept coming up talking about Babylon this morning, like more than normal. And I was like, man, because they always kind of have that vibe, you know. But I was like, man, this, this, this is such a theme for me. I know I'm going to go into this. I know we did Babel. We did Babel, how Babel and, and Ham and the Nephilim and how it translates all the way to the book of Revelation, representing the systems of this carnal plastic world that, that has the appearance of this high technological understanding and woke stuff that's all about it. But in reality, it is, it is just simply confusion and far lesser than that which is of the Spirit. And that is the, that is the contrast of that tower which was built that released all the languages of the earth in what Genesis 11 and then the Acts 2, the Spirit of God coming, visiting mankind, being over all mankind, and everybody hearing their own languages and causing a, a, an incredible, beautiful unity and the power of heaven being restored. And so I was, I was, I was thinking about these, these things and I was kind of chewing around this, kind of running around and, and um, it's the closest thing of Christian music that I listen to. But anyways, for the most part, <laughs> but what he was saying is that like, 
I'm going to bring you all home. When you see this, when you see this for what it is, we're not all trying to go live in Jerusalem. This is a prophecy of the new covenant. I'm going to bring all the family back home. This is the prodigal and the older brother who's religious who refused to come inside. He's like, I'm coming to get everybody by my spirit. That's the, the pillar of fire. And not only that, you won't have to build walls around yourself. I think so many people walk through this life with a fearful forecast and trying to protect what they have. And the Christian walk isn't supposed to be that at all. We cannot be led by fear. You know? Romans 8 says very specifically, those who are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's how, you, that's how you identify someone who's a son or daughter, and that's a mature son, that word. But it means how you identify Christian maturity as somebody who's led and directed by the Spirit of God. They're not just reading the matrix of Babylon and plotting their five-year plan by that forecast. They're actually connected to the pillar of fire, the Spirit himself. And he is leading them as their shepherd into all truth and into the directions of their life. And, and that's what this is about. Like, hey, I'm going to call everybody back home. And they're not going to need these walls. There was multiple sections of walls um, around Jerusalem about this, uh, in those days. Nehemiah and all them built. But, but instead, I will be a wall of fire that is all around her. And I will be the glory that is in her midst. In other words, like... My very presence is the security that you need. You don't need to erect walls. You're going to be a people of my presence that is indestructible. They won't be able to penetrate your, your walls. Like The whole Christian mi mind and the walk of the Spirit is a complete and utter mindset shift from trying to hunker down in the ark and be safe, so to speak, right? To Jesus giving the mission statement of the church in the very first time you even mentioned church. On this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail. Well, what about our gates, man? What if they're coming? You don't need walls. You don't need gates. My fire will be within you and around you at all times. Like, you can be fully transparent and vulnerable, wide open, without fear of being consumed, because you're so consumed with, being, with releasing. It's not like, oh, you know, Lord, come pour out your spirit, like all these weird charismatic songs. It is like, it is like there's, there's something different where it's like the water that I give you out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It's like, in other words, it'll go out from you because it's already been freely given to you. It's a completely different mentality. It's a completely different shift. One person who knows God has more power than anything else in the world that could try to stop them. It's just... It is reality. It's not like a cliche, little cute statement. It's like actually real. But the key is being directed relationally of his purposes and plans and walking that stuff out. And I don't, you know, I don't even think that, you know, if, if you, I'll just say, if you look at Zechariah 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, in 2 he's saying, I will be, I'm bringing the people home and I will be the fire. The next one he's talking to a high priest named Joshua, which happens to be Yeshua, you know, Jesus' name, and, and, and making this prophetic account to him in a heavenly council with the angel of the Lord and talking about, I've laid a stone before Joshua. Upon the stone are these seven eyes. And we understand this as Christians that read the Bible, the seven eyes that are on the stone. And 
Uh, if you read the book of Revelation, the sevenfold spirit of God or the seven spirits of God, that's the, a term for the Holy Spirit, right? Isaiah 11, the spirit of the Lord, which is the angel of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge of the fear of the Lord. That's Isaiah 11, 2 and 3. It's like, so the Jewish mind and, and, and the Christian mind that reads the Bible, we understand that these seven eyeballs, it's not just somebody ate a mushroom and's having a weird trip, you know, writing some weird things. You know what I'm saying? It's all, symbol, it's all symbolic. And not even as this high priest Joshua, he was a sign of Jesus having the fullness of the Spirit of God walking around on him, the root of David, Isaiah 11, you know. And, and then it goes on to Zechariah 4, and this is the word to Zerubbabel, it is not by might nor by power, but by my, it's all for us. It was all written for us. It was all written for us. These were a people that had neglected building the household of the Lord. And Zechariah was coming with these prophecies and he's getting them back on their first priority, seeking first the kingdom instead of their own households. But even that, it's all written for us. Romans 15 says that. 1 Corinthians 10 says it. These things were written for us. Talking about the Old Testament scriptures. All this stuff is meant to be filtered through the grid of these four gospel stories. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. These four triangles which actually form a pyramid. So, I, you know, that's strange, but... Eric Danielson kind of corrected me on that one time. It was pretty good, but it's good. I think he's here. I saw him earlier. Yeah, my man. All right. So, but, you know, it's, it's beautiful how much of the gospel is in even these weird, prophetic, like, technicolor, strange experiences that are in the Old Testament. But it's talking about something very simple that Jesus came and enacted. Hey, you're going to receive power when my spirit comes upon you. The Apostle Paul says he ascended and he gave gifts to men, the spiritual giftings that you are now endowed with in order to reach people and wake them up to who they truly are. Amen. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I think let's, in closing, let's kind of close or start to look at, because I don't think there's nearly enough time to even to look at these giftings in 1 Corinthians 12. But maybe we'll start to actually look through some of these in the coming weeks and concerning this walk of the Spirit and concerning this wall of fire that's around everyone, this, this reality of we come home in God and we've been empowered by Him, and He's actually with us wherever we're at. The only time we're, aka, not with God, which is never, but is when we choose to go our own path, and He doesn't go it with us. It doesn't mean that He leaves us. It means we get what we're going to get down that road. But this thing called repentance, or the ability to turn around, is always to turn back, and He's, he's with us, and He brings us into victory from glory to glory, this reality that we see Him and we're transformed into Him. So... It's a wonderful thing. But I think a lot of times the trap is putting the, uh, maybe it's the cart before the horse, right? That Matthew 6.33, like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you need will be added unto you. The trap that, that we can look at, how are we going to get the things that were needed to be added to us and do the God thing, even if, even if it's in second place, that's last place. And... And, 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 and grasping for those things or trying to figure things out by our by our, in, in our mental space instead of actually trying to know or seeking to know the Lord and walk in His truth and walk according to His plans and purposes and being directed by His voice. And, um, but the reality is if, if we flip the priority, the game changes for us. I've never seen it not work for anyone. I've been doing this for over 10 years. For anyone that sought Him first, I've never seen him bring alignment to their life. I've never, I should say, I've never not seen him bring full alignment to their life if they choose to turn and seek him first. I've never seen it not work. And, and that's it's a long time, you know. Um, 
But it's, it's, it's really like, hmm. I'm going to ask this question. What if the things which you were hoping for, this, this is in life, we're all in different stages. We, we, we have hopes, we have dreams. Uh, the health of the family or divine relationships, you know, a spouse maybe eventually or, you know, things to work out good for us. Uh, our function, our ministry, our calling, our purpose, our place in God, our financial success, multiplication and growth in all kinds of areas. It could be family, ministry, in our reach and our authority. What if all those good things were actually God's will for your life and He was going to be adding those things in His timing? You know? It's like, oh, I hope that someday I have a spouse or I hope I, I can have a successful business or I hope I can have a place in ministry where that gives me life, where I can get to function and I get to do this and you know, what if all those are actually God's plan for our life, but the trap is pursuing them first above Him, and it causes us to stay in a perpetual state of not stepping into those things. But what if we come to realize that God's not bipolar, He's altogether good and lovely. He has purpose and plans for us. And all those things are in His plan, but it's, for his, it's in His own timing. Imagine that. If you believed that, would that cause you to be able to rest and be present in the circle of life that you find yourself right now? Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Like, hey buddy, those good things you're wanting, they're coming for you. I have them for you. And I promise you I'm bringing them according to my timing. And that is true, because we seek first the kingdom. And, um, and it might not look the same as the way we think it, but it's real. But what if that was your truth? Does that make you feel a sense of rest, even hearing that reality? And hearing that he has these good plans and that he's a good shepherd, he's not a, he's not a JV shepherd, do you know what I mean? He's not new on the job. Sometimes I'll lead you in a good way, and sometimes, oh, sorry, I went the wrong way, but we'll get you back over here in time. I think we might be a little bit late, but, you know, he's not some weird redneck shepherd. He's good. <laughs> You know? But knowing this, does that cause you to feel a sense of rest? And if, if you fully believe this, would it cause you to be able to be more present in the here and now? I think a lot of times people can't be present and recognize the value of everything that's going around in their life and even enjoy the process of where they're at until they're assured that he's actually good and he's bringing the increase and he's the one that brings the open doors and he's the one that makes things happen. It changes, gotta hustle, gotta grind. Yeah, sure, yeah, we all like David Goggins. It's fun to listen to a couple, two, three of his little videos, but listen, man, this is not the way of the spirit. It's the way of Babylon. It is not by might nor by power. And I'm not talking about discipline. I love David Goggins. I'm just saying like discipline, there's a difference in discipline and striving for the things that God actually wants to provide for us, but doing things by the spirit. It is coming out of the mindset of Babel, which is the Babylonian spirit, like this Babylonian deal, which ends up in confusion, which is what Babel actually means. The word is confusion, the confusion of languages and all that. But coming into the ways of the spirit where we understand it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the spirit of God. And me coming, like it says in Ephesians 4, into this mindset that there is one faith, one baptism, there is one spirit, there's one hope of calling, there's one calling for all of us. It might look different, but it's the same thing, being conformed into his image, knowing him and releasing heaven wherever I go. 
And this is the mentality that causes us to start to see our life and take evaluation of our life as like, hey, I'm not stuck hitting my head against a wall trying to get to my next purpose or plan or ministry or open door or blah, 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 relationship and all, all these things. It's like, hey, if I actually focus on what you are doing, not what is not happening, but what is happening in you and what you're doing in my heart, the keys to the doors that need to be opened, they will open. Amen. You feel me? It's, it's, uh, it's John... Uh, it's John 6. I'm, I'm 90% sure that it's John 6. Um, the story when Jesus is walking on the water. And there, it's a ghost, man. It's a demon. It's a Nephilim. It's a mermaid, man. It's trying to kill me. I don't know what they thought he was, but they were scared of him. You know? But he says, it's I. Don't be afraid. And, and the way it's written there, I believe it's John 6. I hope it's John 6. It is good. Hey, all right. So, but the, the, way it, the, the way that it is word is there, worded there is when they willingly received him into the boat, they were immediately at the other side. And I remember it was probably 10 or so years ago. I did a little study on that with the maps and everything. And it's a solid, most likely at least a mile off the shore where they were going. And it's like once they were so afraid, but once they actually saw who he, that it was him and believed... And it says, willingly received him into their vessel. It's all written for us. Really received the storm and the craziness. It's like, oh, this is you doing something. You're actually in this circle of my life doing something valuable in me. And I'm just trying to navigate and put it on the other side or, you know, steer the boat this way. I don't know boat stuff. You know what I mean? Put the life jacket on, you know, steer the rudder, the oars. You know, I don't know, man. I try to sound a little intelligent, but uh, I'm not... But they're trying to do all this stuff. And in reality, it was just like, hey, the, the key to not freaking out was just allowing him in. And boom, they bumped into the other side. Which should have been taking them a long time to get to. It's a mile or three quarters of a mile. So was, they were a good ways off from the shore. But the point was they were miraculously at the place where they were going. It was never about how are we going to get there. That's easy for him. It's not a big deal at all. What's, what's, what's the hard part is us willingly receiving him. Seeing where we're at, you want to take up more room in my vessel. Yeah. A lot of times the situations of our heart that we're walking around in, this is walking in the spirit. It's not just Shundai, Hyundai and all these things. It's actually recognizing where I'm at in the here and now. There is valuable treasure all around me. And I'm trying to rush to get past it because I'm not happy here and I won't be happy until, until I'm on that platform I'm in this space or I'm this successful and it's like hey but there's so much value here and now for me to get you to there is nothing to me that's the word of the Lord it's like that's nothing we get to the other side like that I'll make a point of that but it's actually willingly receiving me inside of you in this covenant doing this relationship with me that which is not of me is not truly of you it's it's exchanging the inheritance of the of Adam that which you've inherited through the fall for our true inheritance of our true Father, which is His Spirit living within us, man. You know, I'm not getting to do any of the notes I wanted to do today, but it's fine. You know, but, uh, you know, we got, we got years, or I do anyways, because I'll be here for a long time. But, you know, it's just it's one of these things. It's like, this reality, this whole world is plastic, man. It is, it is the matrix, if you want to see it that way. It is a lesser reality than that eternal realm. If... Hebrews 11 is clear. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that that which is seen was created by the unseen. In other words, the unseen realm is more real than the seen realm. And this seen realm is really just 
framed up by the Word of God. It's, a less, it's framed like a two-dimensional frame, like a painting inside of a picture. It's like it's real, but it's not as real as the one who painted it. You know what I'm saying? There's something on the outside that we're called to demonstrate and make manifest inside the frame and blow people's minds. But it takes our own mind being fully unlocked. And that's where the tongue of fire comes and floats on top of the head. And it unlocks the mind. The Holy Spirit. It's a different way of seeing, man. It's a different way of viewing things. And it's all through His lens, the lens of His finished work. Yeah? I will close with this verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 and 2 verses. This is the spiritual giftings verse that we might have done today, but we're not. This whole chapter. <laughs> um, because it talks about how he was ascended and he gave gifts. We can't even get to the gifts yet. Um, or because of time for me. But it's like, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles once, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. And that's New King James. You're like, did he just quote that himself? Like, no, man. You carry away these dumb idols, however you were led. But dumb means mute. That's what we'll close with. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, the spiritual giftings. He's talking about this new covenant reality that these Corinthians had all stepped into out of some really darkness in the world. But concerning the spiritual gifts, sometimes the wording will be spirituals or spiritual endowments. I don't want you to be ignorant. You were once Gentiles and you were carried away serving idols that don't talk to you. A God that doesn't talk is an idol, right? But God talks. Here he is. He's, he's making, a, he's making a, a clear line to start off. Hey, by the way, you used to serve gods that couldn't talk to you, but now you're into something different. Right? Now we're into Isaiah 59, 14. Joel 2, 27, 28. Jeremiah 31, 33. Ezekiel 36, 26. I'm going to take uh, 34, 5, 6. 30, 6, 24, 5, 6. I'm going to take the, I'm going to put my spirit inside you. I'm going to wash you clean. I'm going to take the heart of stone out and put a heart of flesh within you. You know, all these prophecies like, uh, what are you talking about? Like that ghost, that tongue, that relationship, that connection. I'm bringing my people home and they'll all know me and they'll never walk through life alone again because they will actually be able to know me and to, and to speak with me and to hear from me. And we have the word of truth, the most brilliant thing in the, in, the, in the universe, this Bible, that actually all the things that we hear from the Lord can be rooted or grounded in this or thrown away. Amen. You know what I mean? It's just like we have this beautiful reality that I've called all the people home. And guess what? This new reality, like I will be that pillar, that tongue of fire, that pillar of fire that followed them over. Like all the people will have that. They won't have walls. They won't live a false identity. Which is like, oh, I want to look like I have everything together so I can prove it to my parents or to my uncle and aunt and to my friends that I'm not a loser. And, you know, I want to have this so people don't take advantage of me and, and, and put on all these masks and all these caricature, caricatures that we always uh, carry ourselves in. And like we're playing Halloween instead of being our true selves. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, hey, you won't have to wear any of that stuff. You'll have no, this is a no defense. 
It's their gates that won't be able to hold ground. We don't need gates. No defense in this. It's like the, the Phoenix Suns back in the day when Stephen Nash played. Like, no defense. We're going to shoot the ball and run as fast as we can constantly. Anybody know that? I see somebody knows it. You know, that's how I used to play. Uh, but it's just like, this is, a, this is offense, baby. This is offense. And I'm here to wreck shop. The gates of hell won't prevail against my people. Well, wow, they must be pretty awesome. No, they's you. And yes, you is awesome. You know what I mean? That is the point. Because I'm in you. And you'll be my witnesses. Uh, a major key to this. You know, we do the questions, right? We do the questions. I think it's very valuable. Um, I ended up writing these questions out. And, and Catherine was able to print them off. So they're, they're kind of small. Um, and we'll probably have more next week. Yeah, you might have to put the bifocals on for these, but it's good. I can see them good. Um, but I, in closing, in some of the things and some of the concepts that I've thrown in this uh, little buffet of, of, a, of a meal, um, I'm going to read these briefly and we'll be done. And it says, mindfully take inventory of the sphere of life that you now find yourself in. So this is all with the mentality of everything we've spoken on. Now, spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. You were once carried away by dumb idols, but now you follow a God who very much speaks to you and directs you. And it says, look past the surface into the inward workings of the Holy Spirit in all the situations of your life. In other words, take inventory of the sphere of life that you find yourself in right now. Right? With the Good Shepherd. Remember, often the keys to advancement in life are found by being faithful in the present where you find yourself. Often the keys to advancement, stepping out of where we're at and into where we feel called to be or where we want to be, um, are literally found by not putting that cart before the horse. But by seeking first the kingdom, knowing that he has things for you in your here and now life, whether it's transformations of your own heart or whether it's people that you're called to sow into, bless or you know, you know, speak into, whatever. Um, but a lot of times doing those things, even though they seem obscure or oblique, can be the very things that unlock your purpose, destiny in the next phase of your life. So number one was, I don't know if I should read these, but I will. Become aware of what God is doing in the here and now. In other words, this may require a perspective shift in order to see what he is doing. Sometimes we find ourselves focusing on what we aren't seeing versus looking deeper into what is happening. Flip it around. This creates thanksgiving, which brings perspective. List those things which you see God doing. Sometimes taking inventory in our life and listing the things. Okay, what are you doing in this time of my life? Okay, I've been really uncomfortable with this. You're actually causing me to step out into faith. You're causing me not to have a poverty mentality. Okay, you're, you're, you're highlighting this in my life, some great opportunities that I've kind of left on the shelf that I need to speak into. I need to pick up the phone and text this guy I've been thinking about or whatever. Number two, within the season of life that you find yourself now, are there opportunities to grow and become established in his ways and in the truth? This, this is similar to the storm analogy that I created or I've said earlier. Sometimes what we feel is opposition in life is actually an opportunity to let our roots go deeper into the word of God so that his victorious life becomes our reality. This could be a transformation of our old nature, a shift in attitude, a perspective and posture of faith in place of fear, or even seeing a fallen forecast or diagnosis as an opportunity to be established in the victorious reality of the new covenant in God's word. Number three, are there areas in life where I can engage that would cause forward progress in this immediate time? I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Number four, 
Are there things in your sphere that you're avoiding? Yeesh. Are there things which you are choosing not to look at? Sometimes advancement doesn't come until we face what he is asking us to address. That's solid, man. It's just true. I've, you know, we see it. People go around the mountain, the same mountain over and over sometimes, and I say, hey, man, I've, I heard this. It was Francis Frangipan, this old teacher. We, we read a book here, um, but he said something along the lines of, you never fail a test from God. You just retake it until you pass. You dig? You know what I mean? It's like, you don't fail. It's like, all right, we're going to load that one up again. Why does this keep happening to me with new people? It's like, yeah, pass the test. Um, yeah. And number five, an overview of priorities. What does it look like to seek the kingdom first in the here and now? In the here and right now? Are we wanting God to build our life and build things for our life? Are we seeking first his kingdom and that which he is building? And choosing to put our weight behind that? Um, yeah. What is it like to seek first the kingdom in the here and now? Am I involved in what he's building? Do I serve or do I seek to be served? All right. So there's a lot of those out there. I'm going to close with that. I, I don't know how many there is, but if you're in the groups, I think that'll be good. Maybe we'll screenshot them for the four home groups or people that are meeting together. I think that's a good inventory of the sphere of life. And it's really meant to actually just like that wall of fire in Zechariah 2, to look like, hey, there's, there is loads of value in the place we're in right, right now in the here and now. Sometimes summertime, it's like a checkout time. It's a relax. We're just resting. We're, we're kicking back. And some of that's really good. But sometimes it's like, hey, there's so much value for those who walk according to the Spirit. Even in the summertime, there's so many different aspects of life that if we're found faithful in the very simple things of just showing up to what He has for us, we'll unlock the next phase and things that we've been longing for and hoping for. And it's brilliant. God is the, the walk of the spirit is progressive. There is always growth and advancement in it. And so anyways, that's that. There's a few of them sitting around. You know, if you would like, um, I think maybe we'll put a copy of it on, our, on the website, tylerhoff.com. And so if there's not enough of those, go around just tylerhoff.com and, and you, know, you can check out the questionnaire and, and that way it'll be a little easy to do. So. All right, cool? Good to see you guys today. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is true. We thank you for the reality of this covenant that you've made for us. That is weaved in and out through the entire Old and New Testament and the inheritance of the sons of God to actually walk by your spirit, to never be alone, and to step into the family business of, of, of moving in the power to transform, to be transformed into your image, but also to awaken the sleeper, to awaken those who don't realize who they really are. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear in that reality. Amen.